Jesus blew people away with his Sermon on the Mount almost 2,000 years ago. Uh, he tackled one challenging topic after another. And what is just amazing is those topics, those thoughts, that message still touches our lives so many years later. Uh, we're in the middle of this uh, series uh, as we work our way through. Uh, if you're just joining us for the first time, you can catch up. If you've missed a couple weeks, there's lots of ways to uh, check that out. And so uh, please do so, and you can see some of the other topics that we've talked about. Uh, some very difficult, uh, some not as, but all life-challenging, and, uh, and I do think uh, encouraging. Well, this morning's topic is a topic that, again, touches all of our lives. It doesn't matter where you're at spiritually. It doesn't matter if you're convinced, unconvinced, or somewhere in between. All of us uh, have had this topic, this subject, uh, touch our lives in many, many, many ways. So much so that uh, GEICO uses this subject to sell insurance. Huh. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Everybody knows that. Well, did you know Pinocchio was a bad motivational speaker? I look around this room and I see nothing but untapped potential. You have potential. You have... Oh, boy. Uh, excuse me, is there a problem here? You're in a no-parking zone. Oh, I, I didn't know. You didn't see the sign? Uh, that, that wasn't there when I was here earlier. <laughs> really? You know, in Italy, they let you park anywhere. Have a good day, sir. Samantha, you look more like a Heather. You ever get that? It's nice to finally meet you in person. You're Pete Nokio. Oh, the pick? That was actually a professional headshot. Oh. I'm sure that's it. Yeah. I, uh, I think I lost a few pounds recently, too. I'm actually doing a juice cleanse. Wait, you don't... <gasps> Aren't we happy that our nose doesn't grow when we're not truthful. Because all of us, to some degree, would have noses that grow from time to time. A great theologian uh, once talked about this, uh, a doctor. Uh, he was a doctor in a diagnostic center at a uh, medical station, and this, is, and this is what he says. He says this. It's the basic truth of the human condition that everybody lies. The only variable is about what? Just one more time. <laughs> it's the basic truth of the human condition that everybody lies. The only variable is about what? You know, we don't live in a day and age or a culture that we would say is a honest, accurate culture. We look at our celebrities. Uh, we look at our politicians. Won't even go there totally. And we don't see honesty. We don't see a trustworthiness 
that uh, we actually can lean in on. I remember one time talking about a specific politician and the person, I said, yeah, I wish they were a little more honest. And very quickly, because he was sold out on this politician, he very quickly said, well, the last one really wasn't honest. And I said, well, wouldn't you like the current one to be honest? It's not about one or the other. I just want, when when I hear them, I want to be able to, in a sense, we would say, bank on what they say. But before we get smug and before we say, you know, we're, we've got it together and, and uh, we're, we're honest all the time, especially those of us who are Christ followers, uh, that's really not true. There are times where we're not honest, where we're deceptive, where we shade or hide or limit what's really true. It's obvious because, you know, there can be people in our society, those of us who are Christ followers, or there's people that don't like, uh, let's say, our view on the unborn. They don't like our view on, you know, all these kinds of things. They don't like the view on the way we may raise our kids and lots of other things. But wouldn't it be great if they could say, as I look at all those items that I don't like, I at least say this, they are honest. But that, that, that's not what happens. We don't have a corner as Christ followers on honesty, even though uh, maybe it should be a no-brainer. Uh, we mislead. We don't honor our word. We don't follow through. Uh, it's a part of us, too. So when Jesus speaks to this subject about honesty, our word, your word, my word, it's just not something for somebody else that's a really bad person that has gotten themselves into all kinds of trouble. It it, it actually bleeds into our lives. It it applies to us because it's, it's, it's a part of, in a sense, who we are. We see it even with uh, Christian, quote-unquote, celebrity pastor people. And all of a sudden, they get caught in this situation where, uh, again, uh, the truth comes out. And we're not really sure it's the whole truth, but it definitely says something about what was going on. And it's just out there. And, you know, we go, wow, how can that happen? But then again, we should be very thankful that most of us in this room uh, don't have our life on social media being pointed out on the news, on TV. We, we, don't, have to, we don't have to deal with that. Uh, it'd be interesting, not, it would be actually not interesting to see if the, that same kind of microscope scope was used on, on each one of us. I mean, I mean, there's even times where the Reverend Pastor David Spencer is not completely accurate, I don't even want to say, might even lie. You see, I, I, I hedge it a little bit. I, I, don't, I, don't, want to, I don't want to say that. Um, there's times where somebody's uh, repeating themselves, and I can't understand what they're saying, and finally I want to give up, and I just go, uh-huh, and I might even smile. And they're telling me that their car, cat got run over by a cat or something. You, you know, and they're like, yeah, that's great. You know, because I, you know, I just, I just not really hearing about what they're saying. And uh, you've been in that same situation. Husbands and wives with kids. And, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you don't really know what you're saying yet, yeah, too. 
sometimes uh, it's, I'm really under the microscope today because my whole family's here, my three daughters included, and we're going on a car trip after this, so I'll hear about this later on. But, uh, you know, four hours in the car and then overnight in a hotel and all those kinds of things. But, uh, you know, there's times where I'd be home and they'd kind of look at me, Dad, what were you talking about? That's not the way I remember it. And, and I'd be like, well, you know, it was 90% right. And, you know, they'd be going like, oh, you mean so it's okay, Pastor Dave, to be 10% incorrect or deceitful or deceiving because that part didn't really fit. You know, then there's, then there's social media. You know, I, I you know, went and looked and saw what one of our lightest uh, pictures is that I posted. And, you know, here is a picture of our family. And this was last year around my birthday. And we're all smiles. And I can't remember what was going on before or after. But I can say there are times where there aren't all smiles going on. And then I went back and tried to look for, like, a picture where it was, like, totally real. And it's kind of funny. There aren't any of those pictures. They don't exist. It must be that we're always smiling and, you know, like that, and hair's all in the right place. Uh, that, that's a little deceptive, isn't it? The perfect family. You've been there. Sometimes you and I... I'm sure not you, I, you know, you and I are a little late for something and, you know, it was the traffic, it was something else, but the reality was, is we just got doing something that we thought was more important than where we were heading. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I get, you know, know this from messages past, sometimes I'm watching Lost in Space and I just want to watch five more minutes of it and it makes me late for my next meeting. It had nothing to do with the traffic. It was just that that was more important than this, yet we say some kind of excuse. It was not a lateness out of our control. It was what we were into something else and not as into what was coming next. You see, all of us, all of us have this human condition, quoting the good doctor. There's a temptation to make past achievements better than they really were. There's a temptation to say we were on a sports team in high school and really we kind of just warmed the, be the bench, but now all of a sudden as that story gets told, we were involved more and more games and we maybe were a superstar except for that injury we had happen and we would have been you know, on a professional team. Even Friday night, and now I'm going to take some heat, uh, two of my daughters had a text message going to two different places, and they wanted Cindy and our input on this text message. And so there they come up, and I'm looking at the thing, and Cindy's like, did you read those text messages? Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Well, well what, what did you think? And then all of a sudden, the background, I hear it being read, and they go, sir, did I send it? And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I really didn't listen to it. But I had signed off on it. That's not honest. So all of us can find ourselves in these places. And instead of lowering the bar, Jesus asks us to raise the bar. That's really a theme through the Sermon on the Mount. You may remember back in verse 20 of Matthew 5, he says this, For I tell you that unless you surpass or your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now this isn't a thought on earning your way to heaven. What he is pulling out is the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the super-Christians of his day wore their righteousness on their sleeve and externally they would act a certain way, but internally 
Even their actions that were noble and right were far from their heart. And as we saw in some prior messages, that often when our heart is in one place and our external actions are in another place, eventually the heart does come out in a comment or an action. What's inside does count. Yes, it's wonderful when you have a filter and you stop an action, an expression. Sometimes it's good to keep our mouth shut. But as time goes on, our heart ought to change and our external presentation of who we are ought to reflect what's going on in the inside. It shouldn't be that you and I are just good at, good at following the rules. It should be that something's changed on the inside. So I'd like you to open up or go to Matthew 5:33. Uh, there's Bibles around you if you want a hard copy Bible. Uh, you can the verses will be up on the screen. Uh, also, if you want, I don't have a paper copy body. Please feel uh, Bible. Please feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Also, it's really great to have your Bible on your electronic device. I hope you've downloaded the free app, version, and you have it wherever you go. So Matthew 5, 33, Jesus gets into this idea of our word, which is more internal than our words, and starts to speak to us about this. We're going to read through the passage, and we'll go back and talk about it. Again, you've heard that it was said to people long ago, referring back to Old Testament, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Referring to the devil. That when you and I are playing games with our words, when our external presentation is different than the intentions of our heart, we're living according to his rhythms of life. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this, this iceberg principle, and we see this over and over again, that uh, this is the symptom is what we see. It's the tip of the iceberg. But what's below our heart is, is just below the waterline. Uh, today's study is this idea of the symptom is your words, my words, my oaths, my promises. But the heart really is your word, my word, almost more like, not specific words, but the quality of he's as good as his word. His word is solid. That, that comes from the inside. You see, our words are a reflection of our word. Our words our reflection of our word, of our inside, of our quality. So the words that come out, the promises that are made that aren't kept, reflect something inside. And what the good news is, is not that we should feel beat up about that, but it's when Jesus speaks to our heart, when the Spirit, God's Spirit speaks to our heart and reveals these kinds of things, you and I can make a change. You and I can live differently. 
We talked about being freed. We talked about the chains being broken. We sung about that a couple songs ago. And that idea comes through with this, that you and I, when we enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, don't have to be chained to those things. And one of those things we can be free from is an external life that doesn't match the internal. It doesn't happen overnight. The process of beginning a relationship with God does happen in a moment. We say, Lord, I want you into my life. I want to experience your forgiveness. I appreciate, I'm so grateful that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I want to be in relationship with you. That starts, but then it's a process. A fancy word for that is called sanctification. Talked about working out your salvation, your relationship with God. So the good news in a time like this isn't that, wow, woe is me. Oh, this is horrible because my, my word is, 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 is not very good. It's not worth the paper written on. The good news is that can change for each one of us. It can change because our hearts can change as Jesus touches our hearts and we welcome him more and more into our hearts. It is your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. This is an accountant term. There will be a time where everything's added up and figured out, and the bottom line will be shown. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them serious. Words can be your salvation. They can point to a changed heart. Or words can be your damnation, because they can point to a heart that really has not changed. So it is of utmost importance that we think about this and we say, what does this symptom mean? What do my words, my promises, my oaths mean about what is in my heart or what is not in my heart or what is covered up in my heart? You see, your words, my words follow you, follow me, and your words and you follow your words. This kind of this partnership. Some of you are familiar with a story about uh, a young man was living in a village and he had said some things, and it really in this discussion it doesn't matter whether they were true or not, but he said some things that were damaging and hurtful and, and, and whatever, and he went to the local village pastor and said, uh, what do I do? What do I do? I, you know, I've said these things, and they're, they're out in the village, and people know about them. How do, I, how do I fix this? And so the village pastor says, this is what I'd like you to do, is I'd like you to rip open a pillow, and I'd like you to take some feathers, and I'd like you to go to all the doorstops, let's say just downtown in the village, and put some feathers on, on the doorstops, on the steps, and then come back and see me. Okay, so he does that. This is pretty easy. He goes out and puts them on. It probably looks a little weird doing this in the village, but he's doing it anyway. Comes back to the pastor a few hours later, and then he says, now go back and pick up all the feathers. Because I can't do that. What do you mean you can't do that? I can't do that. The, you know, the wind and everything, they're blown all over the place. And he said, that's the same thing with your words. That can be a positive thing, or it can be a negative thing. You see, our words, just like toothpaste out of a tube, can't kind of go back in. 
And there's been moments where you've said wonderful, nice things, encouraging things, soothing things, healing things, and and they've come out of your heart and they've touched other people's lives and they're there. And, And you're known for that. And that is fantastic. And then there's been other times where something's come out of your heart and now you regret it, now you wish you could go collect those feathers, but there's nothing you can do. Even when you go to that person and apologize and sincerely want to be repented and forgiven, and they graciously forgive you, those ideas and those concepts are out there. And you and I have had that happen where someone has told us something that maybe is accurate or not accurate about another person. And uh, we've tried to say, man, I shouldn't think malicious. I don't want to be thinking about this about that person. And then we see the person and those ideas are in our mind. So your words, you follow your words and your words follow you. So what are we supposed to do? How do we break down these few verses? First of all, you have to just look at, at what Jesus is getting at. And, and Jesus' society was very similar to our society. So what is Jesus saying about truth-telling today? In verse 33, he starts off with this idea. And you've heard it said that um, to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. And we get into this whole idea about vows and all of this kind of thing. And in in Jesus' day, uh, there were different levels of vows. And if you said a vow or made a promise and included the ideas of God in it, it supposedly had more weight than if you didn't. So if I said, I pray, I, I promise on a stack of Bibles, that would be like, wow, that's a serious prayer. If I just said, yeah, or I'll do that, that was like nothing. You could break that one. And Jesus is going back to the Older Testament. He's saying, when you say a promise, you're not supposed to break that promise. But again, we live in a world where promises are not kept. Back to our opening. If Christians were uh, over the top with honesty and integrity on all these things, people could disagree with everything we would be about and all that kind of stuff, but they could at least say, at least they keep their word. You know, when you sign a business deal with a Christ follower, you have to never worry that they're going to renege. When they have a debt, they always pay it off. They, you, you just don't have to worry about that. But that's not the case. And it's just all over the place, just like it was in Jesus' day. It's a part of the human condition that we don't have to be enslaved to, that we can grow through and become more free. Uh, this may sound funny, now Aaron's going to start judging me, but I, I, I actually sometimes look at what I post on Facebook if this is projecting, oh, Dave's got a perfect life, and, and, and I don't. I ask myself, because I, I, don't, I don't want somebody to think that. My life is good, yes, but it's not perfect. And I don't want everyone to go, oh, oh, that, you know, sometimes I don't even tell positive uh, accounts where God has shown up in my life because I don't want people to go, oh, that's because he's a pastor. No, you know, I just don't, I just kind of keep that on the side because I don't want to set people up. So sometimes it's good, yes, you should be able to share your good news, but, but if, if that's all you share, then you present a, a person that, that you are not. 
Now, back to this whole idea of vows. It's interesting, back in, you go into the Older Testament here, respect reverently God, your God, serve Him, hold tight to Him, and back up your promises with the authority of His name. And the idea here is that when you do make a promise, whether you actually say before God or not before God, if you're a Christ follower, you realize it's always before God. So even if you throw that little card out there, I remember one time uh, as a 10-year-old, the boys in my neighborhood were getting into some mischief, and they wanted to include me, but they weren't sure I would, like, rat them out. So me thinking, being a good Sunday school product, said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I keep my word. And off we did and did our naughty things. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, who thinks that? I didn't think that, you know, because my word was good. I wasn't going to rat out as we did this naughty thing. So I won't tell you what it is. But anyway, so, so because you're a Christ follower, there ought to be some automatic teeth to our word. Leviticus Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Sometimes, you know, we hear about having good words, and we hear about bad words, and vulgar words, and crude words, and blasphemy, and taking God's name in vain. I think you and I take God's name in vain worse than any vile word more when we present we're a Christ follower, and in a sense our life is a a swearing by his name, yet we don't honor it, and we end up profaning his name by our actions. That, to me, is more blasphemy than dropping the F-bomb or another bad word. When you and I say, I am living under the banner of Christ, and our word doesn't count for Hardly anything. I love the way Eugene Peterson paraphrase renders these verses, these words. He says, You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, I'll pray for you, I'll never do it, or saying, God be with you, and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. And making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. There's a lot in there. As parents, as parents, do our children consider our word our bond? Now, if you remember the Peter Pan movie with Robin Williams... But you watch this whole thing unfold. It's impossible. I'm on a plane to London tomorrow night with my family. A children's hospital... A children's hospital is dedicating an entire wing to Granny Wendy. Brad. Peter, you're missing it. All right. Want a meeting tomorrow, a.m.? Dad, my game. You promised. Listen, it's my son's big game. Last game of the season, Santa series. I gotta be there, I promised. So, we'll make it a short meeting. I'll be there. My word is my bond. Okay. Never, 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 never
missing it. I'll be uh, kids were really young and they had one of these little uh, lawn furniture set up thing and the house we were living in at the time had a little garage and we would stick that stuff in the um, rafter so it would get off, up, off the floor and it was kind of a pain to get down and I remember Mar Hannah especially being after me to get down this little set down the chairs and little table and all that kind of thing and I kept saying yeah 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 I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it I'll do it and I would never do it. And then finally one day she says, this is back in the days of PDAs and your phone was separate. The dark ages, now they're one. It's great. But back then they were separate. And she convinced me, she said, next time she asked me, she asked me to write it down on my PDA because she knew the things that went in my PDA got done. See, my word wasn't worth much at that time. And she knew that. I don't want to be that dad, even today. I don't want to be that, that husband I don't want to be someday that grandfather, that friend, that brother, that sister, that, that son. I, I, I want my word to, to, to actually be my bond, and I want to grow in that. So Jesus, as he continues on, talks about telling truth is to be expected. He, he expects us to tell the truth. He expects it should be a growing byproduct of following him. We talk about the truth in Christ, and the truth will set us free. Well, he wants us not only to experience truth in our life, he wants us to present truth with our life. And the real way that you and I present truth is not with our words, it's with our actions. Our words are, are secondary. So he goes on, he says, But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, but either by heaven for it is by God's throne and by Jerusalem. I, I read this and I go, wow, that's good. I, I've not really sworn anything by Jerusalem lately. I haven't said, you know, oh, I'm really going to do it by Jerusalem. Woo, you know, you know, I haven't had to do that, so I don't have to give that up. Or by the heavens or the great king. But it's interesting, if we watch court proceedings, what do they have the people do? Swear their hand on a Bible. They have to swear because they're expecting that the answer might not be honest. And then sometimes what do they do? Remind the person testifying. May I remind you, you are under oath. 
If honesty wasn't a problem, we wouldn't need judges. We wouldn't need juries. You could just go in and tell your story and, woo, that would be it. Boy, it'd save a lot of money, wouldn't it? But when it comes to a Christ follower, Jesus, again, is raising the bar. He's saying he's not, he's not outlawing oaths and promises. You, if you have a mortgage, you have to, in a sense, sign your life away a million times, initial this and this and this. So he's not saying that's against the rules. If you go back, there are some Christians in history that thought that making any kind of oath was against the rules. I don't think that's Jesus' intent here. There were actually people that spent time in jail because they wouldn't swear and make an oath on a Bible. But that, that's not what Jesus... He's saying it shouldn't be necessary. He goes on and, and again, and talks uh, about the Pharisees. You see, again, the Pharisees would make these pledges, make these oaths, and they would play games. And what they made the oath by was like crossing their fingers. Remember those days? Someone would make you promise, and, and you, you'd kind of like cross your legs because now you've got something crossed, and so whatever you're saying is not really honest. And they go, hey, wait a minute, I see you crossing your legs. You know, they would know, or, you know, you know, or my hair was crossed, you know, I can remember all, you know. So, you know, whatever it is, Jesus is saying, we expect you to be honest, you shouldn't have to do this. In some settings, you do. I'm not going to turn there, but in Matthew 23, he talks about the fact that their word means nothing. Their word means nothing. You blind men. Which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacrifice? He's just, therefore, anyone who swears by the altar swears by it and by everything on it. Anyone who swears by the temple swears by it and the one who dwells in it. Anyone who swears by heaven swears by God. He's just going on, this is, this is ridiculous. And actually, there are places where Paul actually uses the languages of I'm making this promise to you, I'm taking this oath, I'm taking this. So again, Jesus is not after that. He's just saying it shouldn't be necessary. When I, when I, when I say something, especially to a young child, do you really, really, really promise? They're, they're, you shouldn't have to go through that because they just know when you say you're going to do it, you're going to do it. So that means we need to be really careful. We need to really mean what we say. Sometimes you say no. I remember in my house for a long time, I, maybe was the, the word, you know, they'd be on you about something. You didn't want to say no because you didn't want to deal with that. So you'd say maybe. And you knew maybe was no way. And they still were young enough that they thought maybe there was some kind of possibility that that would happen. And you would say maybe. And then finally they wake up to the fact that maybe isn't going anywhere. It's no. James, Jesus' stepbrother, talks about this. And since you know that he cares, this is Jesus, this is God, let your language show it. Don't add words like I swear to God to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry up with God. You know, pleading, if I do this, you do this, all this. Just say yes or no. Just say what is true. That way your language can't be used against us truth. Jesus expects it to be growing in our lives. So what does that look like? How do we, how do we apply truth-telling? How do we grow in that area? 
verse 7. We just kind of read it from James. Just, just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, you go wrong. You see, sometimes we know that we're not really going to do or we're doing it differently, and we use these words to kind of get somebody to get on board with us because we're trying to manipulate them to get our own way. And if they really knew what was going on, they would not agree to it. So we, we play and we massage the issue and we convince and we manipulate. And, and uh, some of us are so good at it. I have to, this is going to really, now you're going to really be watching out for me. I am really good at it. I can get so good at it that no one knows that I'm doing it. And I I have to deal with the Spirit saying to me, Dave, you're you're a jerk. You just got your own way. You set something in motion. If you watch Lost in Space, you'll see Dr. Smith. She does it all the time. She's awesome at it, but that's not what you're supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be doing. But you go wrong. It's about selfishness. Truth is to set people free, not make them a captive to your ideas, your concepts, what you and I want. Again, yes must be yes, and no must be no. So vows shouldn't be necessary. They shouldn't be necessary. You're going to do vows some places, but they shouldn't be necessary. Tell your neighbor the truth. In Christ's body, we're all connected to each other, after all. When you lie to the others, you end up lying to yourself. Sometimes when you and I are in such a pattern of maligning the truth, uh, massaging the truth, lying. We don't even know when we're lying. We've said it so many times. That's not an excuse, but, but that happens. Sometimes you can't remember what really did happen because you've built this up in such a way. Not necessary. Also, we need to, in a sense, recognize where you lie. Recognize the, the situations that uh, cause you to do that? Do I lie because I'm trying to impress somebody? Do I lie because I'm trying to escape some consequences of my actions or something else? Do I lie to control? Do I lie to hurt someone? Have you ever withheld true encouragement to let them suffer in uncertainty? Where do you lie? What, what, in a sense, is the, the environment? I don't know if you remember the, show, the movie Sandlot, but the little boy lies about Babe Ruth because he's desperately wanting to fit in with these boys. He can't play baseball very well, and he just wants to fit in. So he just, he just, he, he tries and tries, and he tries to impress them. So this is what he does. I'm a great bambino. What? what? I'm a great bambino. Oh. Who's that? What? I had no idea who they were talking about. What did he say? 
What, were you born in a barn, man? Yeah, yeah, what planet are you from? But there was no way I could let them know. You never heard of the Sultan of Swat? The Titan of Terror. The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout. The King of Crash, man. So? I lied. Oh, yeah, the Great Bambino. Of course. I thought you said the Great Bambi. That wimpy deer? Yeah, I guess. Uh, sorry. You've been in a conversation like that, you don't know what you're talking about, and you try to pretend you know what you're talking about, and you get caught. And everybody kind of knew something didn't smell right, even though they let him off the hook. I don't know if uh, somebody probably in here works at Life Care over there in Seneca Falls. I have to go in and have my blood tested every month. And, uh, you know, as it has been brought up about the Patriots, <sighs> the guy who is like the head guy knows everything about the Patriots. He knows this player, that player, that player. You know, I know Tom Brady's the quarterback. I know a few players. You know, I mean, I don't, I'm not like, you know, I don't get cards. and I know everybody's statistics. I don't know, you know, what tight ends do. I don't know any of that stuff, but he does. So I get caught in these conversations where he starts talking about all this stuff that I have no idea what he's talking about. And just this week when I went in, it was another, oh, and he's talking about the trades and this and that. And I'm like... I just don't know. So I, now I'm convicted. Next week, I have to, next time I go in, I have to say to Chris, I have to go, Chris, I just know the basics. When you start talking about this player doing this and that and this play, I have no idea what you're talking about. And so when I'm going, aha, uh -huh, I'm just going, aha, uh -huh, because I really don't know. <laughs> don't judge me. You do it too. Some of you doing it when I'm preaching all the time. Well, because that's because of me. <laughs> that's on me. But other situations, yeah, 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 yeah. My poor community group that we're a part of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so, but uh, you know what I'm talking about. So we understand, I have to understand uh, where, what situations. I mean, some of us, all of a sudden, we, we really don't have the intention to do that, and it just slips out, and it's not true. And we're like, ooh, and if you had if you'd had like a little more thought about it, you actually wouldn't have said that. I'll give that to you. But it's out there. So we have to understand where, when we get into these, when we get into these nervous places where we're trying to like have other people like us, just, just know, oh, this is, a, this is a moment where sometimes the desire to have other people affirm me overshadows the reality of what is really true. I need to know that. I need to be a little bit more aware when I get into those situations. Um, then kind of going along with this is, is understanding why you lie. Sometimes you and I exaggerate, again, it's because of our, our self-worth. We, we, we have believed a lie. See, it's the flip side. We've believed a lie that we're not worth whatever, so we need to stack the deck and make ourselves seem a little more worth, so we exaggerate. Because the story wasn't good enough about what we did, we have to add to it. 
I used to always be amazed in high school when there was a threat of a snowstorm. You'd go in into your, he watched the news before he went to school. You're like, why didn't this come earlier? And they'd be like saying, a little dusting of snow. And then, you know, 10 o'clock, someone would say, yeah, here we're getting three inches of snow today. And by the end of the day, you were getting like five feet. Everybody would add just a little bit more onto the story because they needed, it needed to be better and bigger and wow because of self-worth about having the story. So Why? Sometimes it's, it's to be, you know, to be accepted. We, we just, again, that, that boy it wants to be accepted. Sometimes we're silent, and that's a lie. And it's to avoid conflict. We just, we just don't want to say what's really going on. Now, sometimes, I'm not saying everything that comes to your mind should come out of your mouth. But sometimes our silence is a lie. We're not affirming the conversation. We're just not saying out loud. And we're actually giving the person the impression that we agree with them or we're okay with them. That's not honesty. Um, again, we believe lies about ourselves. So we lie because we feel we need to be accepted or respected. I need people to believe this about me. Or we think I can get away with it and not get caught. So we lie. <laughs> because we can lie about something and get the quote-unquote immediate benefits of that. And all of a sudden it blows back and we do get caught. That's believing a lie. It's, it's I really thought about this. A single lie never is never a single lie. A single lie is never a single lie. I don't know if I heard this somewhere, but I was playing around with it, and once you tell one, there's got to be another one to cover it, and it turns into more than one. It just gets out of control. So we understand, need to understand why we, you, me, we lie, we mislead. Also, we need to commit to the truth. This may seem like an obvious thing, but we need to understand that truth matters. Again, the Pharisees, if I swear by Jerusalem and actually look towards Jerusalem, let's see, that's the east, so Jerusalem must be, well, probably east a little bit south, somewhere there, then that means more than even just saying, I swear by Jerusalem, look into the west. I don't know. I think we're closer that way than this way. But anyway, so, you, you know, it, it, you know what, what's going on? Commit to the truth, all the truth, not just swearing by God, saying the Bible or whatever. All truth, we commit to it. In Colossians we read, let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the Master, Jesus. Thanking God the Father every step of the way. This verse covers a multitude of things, but it covers us being honest. Us being truth-tellers, us pursuing that in all the aspects of our lives, making sure that our word really is our bond. The bottom line is this, is say what you mean and mean what you say. Say what you mean and mean what you say. And as you and I put that concept into practice, we will find that our truth-telling will increase 
It will become more potent. It will become the reality of the way we communicate. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is a tough one. PG-13 sermons were nothing holding on this one. Because this one, at some level, all of us need to sit up and pay attention. We need to ask ourselves, as you lead us, are we growing in truth-telling? Is it our way of life? Is our word our bond? Is our word as good as the paper it is written on? Father, some of us, as we sit here, can think of some whoppers that we've told in the past and the trouble that they've got us into. Some of us can think of some whoppers that we told just this weekend. Lord, where it fits, help us to go make that right. But even more than that, help us just to stop lying. Help us to tell the truth. When is a person not a liar? Not when they stop lying, but when they tell the truth. Help us to be that kind of growing person. And we're thankful that we don't do it alone. We do it in community with others. And we do it in fellowship with your spirit. You don't, we won't lead us in a place you've called us to go by ourselves. You go with us. So we thank you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.